This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. And before we get started today, this is just your friendly reminder that if you want more content from us, you can get that at patreon.com slash name three songs, where we have bonus episodes, a Discord server, and other fun stuff. Or if you just want to like tip us because you feel like we're doing a good job and want to say thanks, you can do that at paypal.me slash name three songs, but no pressure. And so let's get into things today. Jenna, would you like to tell everybody what we're talking about today? I would love to tell everyone what we're talking about today. As you probably saw in the title, we're talking about fat phobia and anti-fatness in the music industry, which is a really big deal. It comes into a lot of areas, all genders, men, women, non-gender conforming individuals suffer from fat phobia. Honestly, it's really rampant in just all sectors of life, whether or not you're in the music industry. And this conversation is only barely getting started. So Mm -hmm. I think it's super awesome that we were able to dedicate an episode and have a very special guest with us to bring their insight onto this topic. Yeah, I mean, we learned a lot this past week. I feel like these issues are things that have affected both of us, whether people would assume that or not, is that there's so much within like the body positivity movement and being accepting of like who you are as a person and the body that you have and all that sort of stuff. And it's really interesting to look into the way that people with bodies that don't fit the like societal norms or like the beauty standards the way that they're spoken about and the way how this is one of the few sort of situations where men and women tend to be spoken about in the same way, dependent on how much the author of the journalistic piece actually cares about the person that they're being written about. Because I feel like in some scenarios, men have a bit more respect given to them regardless of things, but we're going to get more into that. And so as Jenna said, we do have a really special guest today and she had reached out to us because she listened to our podcast for a while and was like, hey, you guys talk about a lot of stuff that I'm passionate about. I feel like you guys would probably be interested in talking about body positivity and the fat phobia that exists in the music industry. And so she came and she shared her insight. So Jenna, would you like to introduce everybody to Patricia? Yeah, Patricia DeLuca is a seasoned writer and editor who has covered everything from electronic music to car culture, wrestling to tattoo culture. And in 2016, Patricia launched her own website called Shudder, which is dedicated to covering plus-size culture, including how fat phobia impacts the music industry. So she's really the perfect guest for this. And on top of all of that, she has been fighting the good fight for fat acceptance since the 90s. So she has tons of years of experience of trying to do this and then finally succeeding in getting the word out there about how important this is. So without further ado, Patricia, thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. So today we are talking about fat phobia or anti-fat bias within the music industry, which I think is like a huge deal because, you know, often on this podcast, we've had conversations about mental health and how that conversation is relatively new. And I think like the fat phobia conversation is even newer in the fact that people really haven't wanted to address it. And there's only been a few instances quite recently where people are actually coming out to talk about this. So we're going to take a look at why this is happening, why no one's talking about it, why and how we can talk about it moving forward, and also about how fat phobia applies differently to both men and women, because both of them are affected by this, but in different ways. So Patricia, since you have been, you know, working in and around the music industry, as well as writing about fat phobia for a very long time, can you share at what point in your career, like you realized this was an issue within the music industry? It started when I was 
quite young in the industry. As far back as internships, I would see other interns that I was working with who had better opportunities than I did. And anytime I would pitch a story because I wanted to take advantage of the situation I was in, if I get kind of like pushed away a little bit, you know, it's just kind of like, oh. But then, you know, people came around and they saw that I knew the background, like I did have some insight as young as I was, like they took a chance on me. But as my career developed, I started seeing it not just from the people that I would work with, but even the artists that I would interview. And I interviewed, you know, people who were in rock bands, hip hop bands, dance music. And I could see like, it was just so evident on their face. Like when I would come into an interview, you know, they probably heard my voice or and they probably got some other image in my head. And then I come in and at the time I'm about, you know, 50 pounds heavier than I am now, maybe a little bit more if I was being more honest with myself. And you can just see like faces drop. Like it's like, oh, like she's, you know, like this is who we're talking to. And all of a sudden, like my questions either were like being answered half-heartedly or maybe not at all. And then I would have to press a little bit to kind of get something. So I saw it like fairly early and it wasn't like an observation. It was happening to me, but I really couldn't share that with anybody because there's really no one of my size I was working with. You know, rock and roll is thin and starving and, you know, and that's celebrated. So I come in much bigger than, I'm always the biggest person in the room. So it's like, well, what is this person doing here? She don't get it. You know, she doesn't understand what we go through. It took a lot of breaking through to get people to get me like I respect that is honestly so crazy to like hear you say this because unless you've experienced it it's not something like that you think about often just because if it's not your personal experience you would have no idea but like the fact that somebody would judge you based on your body about whether or not you can do a job is Mm -hmm. ridiculous Yeah, you know, I was on the phone with someone who was an international DJ, and we were working on a story like a travel diary. And I would speak to him. And then he ended up speaking to my editor in chief. And all he could ask my editor in chief was, well, what does Patricia look like? And I told my boss, like, please don't describe my appearance to anyone. Yeah, Please don't because, you know, no one's ever asking me what the editor-in-chief looks like. No one ever asked me like what my colleagues look like. They shouldn't. And I mean, we're going to get into this more, but I think it's like 49 states can discriminate on the basis of your body image. Like it's not illegal to discriminate on that, which is insane. Right. Yeah. And it's also been proven that like depending on how you look and like your weight and stuff that you can even be paid less so like somebody could be in mm-hmm. the same job as you and it's not only the like gender disparity but there's like that weight disparity so if there's mm-hmm. two people in your in the same position same title and one of them skinnier the skinnier one's probably going to make more money so looking at some historical examples as we love to do on this podcast you actually had brought up this was kind of a recent one with ray reyes from menudo so can you mm-hmm. tell us about this situation so if those who are unfamiliar with Menudo, Menudo was a boy band, which was launched in the late 70s. And they really hit popularity in the early 80s. They had like their popularity from like, I would say like 83 to 86, maybe. And a lot of that had to do with Ricky Martin. Once he was in the group, it exploded. But you know, there was always these little like labels that bandmates have one another. So I think Ray Ray has joined the group in 83. He was Mm -hmm. replacing someone, but there was always this like underlying catch with Ray. You know, he was in Menudo on the contingent that he would keep fit and he had a nickname. He was the chubby one. And when you see photos of him when he was younger, like he's not, I I wouldn't describe him as chubby. And I don't think most people would describe him as chubby, but he had that name kind of like hovering over him. And unlike other band members, he had a shorter span in the group because he had like a crazy growth spurt. So, you know, basically that label was still like haunting him. And you know, there were reunions and, you know, you can see, you know, Ray in his late teens, 20s, and, you know, he was like straight sized. And I guess like maybe after that, like you can see, like he had weight gain. And unfortunately for Ray, when his weight gain was evident, was also the advent of social media. And if you were to do searches for his name, if you did like hashtags, you would see like fans were not kind to him about his weight gain. But he still performs. You know, he was dancing right alongside his straight size former band members. But we found out a few weeks ago that he passed away suddenly. He had a heart attack. He was 51. And unfortunately, I think of like his legacy, like he 
always will have that the chubby one over his head and then people mm-hmm. are going to speculate his heart attack was a direct correlation to his size and you know that's not necessarily true I mean we don't know we're not doctors we're not going to know until yeah. news is released but I just thought that was sad because he was with this group at the height of their popularity and you know mentioned in his Wikipedia like it's mentioned all the time and it's just unfortunate that that's his legacy is the almost like the chubby one's almost like a demotion in a way and it's not like he was part of this group that had worldwide success but you know like his legacy is going to be reduced to his size because you know he wasn't that 15 years old anymore and there I mean women in the industry experience this all the time yeah. it's rare when men experience it I feel like it also just like correlates when the media and the world is constantly telling you like you're chubby I feel like if you're not mentally strong enough which like a lot of people aren't to like deal with that sort of constant barrage of like oh like you're the chubby one oh you fit within like this mold that we've given you mm-hmm. I think that also probably will affect you a lot into adulthood like even if you're trying to be healthier or whatever like if you have that idea it's like well the world already thinks of me as like the chubby one so what's it matter if I gain some weight or if I look this way or look that way you know because there's just that constant expectance of like you to look a certain way and so Mm -hmm. I feel like in in some senses it can be more harmful and I mean we'll talk about this a bit later on but like there is a lot of that conversation of like when people who are overweight to any degree like when they lose weight people are always like oh you look so good you look so great you look so good you look so great and then the second if you gain any weight back the compliments just completely stop like they're not even being like oh like you look healthy like when a skinny person gains some weight and you're like oh like you look so healthy instead Mm -hmm. of like anything else whereas if somebody who is overweight loses weight and gains some weight back you're not like oh you look like healthier now you're like mm-hmm. no you're fat again sorry yeah and sometimes you know as someone who's experienced that as well like it, sometimes it's delivered like in a smirk like yeah. oh we knew it wouldn't last you know? yeah and also as you're telling this story about ray feminuto it brings up the axel rose story of like axel rose used to be a very thin muscular man and mm-hmm. with his age he put on a lot of weight and he had an insane backlash like people had no shame in calling him out and i think this particular is an issue within the conversation as it relates to men because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to have this conversation Mm -hmm. and so when they see someone like Axl Rose it's easy to pick on him because it's like oh you were like a skinny guy like you used to have privilege and now you don't and we're going to call it out and make fun of you for it because you used to be the type of person who benefited from this privilege Mm -hmm. and it's just funny like there were lots of article headlines but this one from Daily Mail in 2011 was sweet pie of mine Guns N' Roses frontman Axl Rose is unrecognizable after piling on the pounds. That is horrible. I mean, leave it to the Daily Mail to come up with a headline like that. Yeah. But I mean, I remember, you know, TMZ kind of hopping on that train of thinly veiling, making fun of his weight gain. And, you know, sometimes I think, especially with someone like Axl, who was like a little combative, like in his height of popularity and kind of like fell into like the trappings of rock star life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, gaining weight's not, you know, a benefit of being in a rock band or some people will not think that maybe he was you know we don't know what was going through his mind at the time we don't know you know did he not eat because he had to fit into these clothes that were showing off how sinewy he is maybe off the road like did he kind of get back and it's like did he have this pattern like we won't know but i mean we will know like people are not responsive to how he looks now but i can't imagine what he goes through on stage he probably hears everything i mean never mind what's said on the internet and what's said on social media everyone's very tough on social media but you know it's got to be painful when you hear that real time and i think also it's like people don't ever take into account with age can come different health issues and different things that can cause you to gain weight that's completely normal like it doesn't mean that he's not like i'm sure his hard partying way is probably just like caught up to him but there could be other things at hand and you just can't really compare it and i mean like the other two historical examples that we have here is carney wilson and mama Cass, and like in both these situations like with carney wilson she's tried to lose weight like she wanted to be skinny she's gone through multiple surgeries and the weight just was like you can't run away from me carney and unfortunately that does happen to a lot of people is your body just gets used to it and it it has an easier time holding on to the weight than it does keeping it off and i mean carney wilson went on the howard stern show and he like had like a fucking scale at his radio station in order to like weigh women to make fun of them i think he also did that to um anna nicole smith he would mock her weight i'm not i I feel like he weighed 
bullied her or she like knew that he had the scale and she like avoided it there was something along those lines but it's just so messy and like when she was on his show he also was like oh like your husband's skinny how dare you be with this skinny man and like questioned him to be like oh are you just with her because she has money because she has connections and questioned her being like why are you not attracted to fat men and this whole thing and it's like number one it's just like this dirty dirty thing of it's like why do women have to be attracted to fat men but like men aren't allowed to be attracted to fat women like why is that a thing like that's just like annoying and also especially like nowadays with like the internet and all that stuff overweight men who aren't taking care of themselves are like online on like reddit forums and different things like not all of them but like a good amount of them and are just like angry about women it's like overweight women have felt the need to overcompensate with like personality and being funny and like interesting and having lots of things to talk about and just being very bubbly even if that's not who they are whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like men are just like told that they deserve whatever they want you know like can have whatever they want and so they they don't do that they're not compensating so the 90s in general were just horrible for fat people I felt like there was a glimmer of hope during the riot girl movement I was putting all my chips in for that riot girl movement I was like all in Mm -hmm. and I remember going to like Lollapalooza and like all the riot girls wearing like half shirts and like cut off jeans I'm not comfortable in that and I just kind of felt a little betrayed by that and you know it just seemed to like go downhill like I can relate to Carney Wilson I went through the same I jumped through the same hoops as Carney did I didn't have a magnifying glass or any way that she had it it's terrible and I'm glad that she's with us today because some people wouldn't be able to endure that and there was a time Howard Stern was super popular in the 90s and you know his shtick was like you know he was middle-aged man who was upset that you know he couldn't live like this rock and roll lifestyle that his fame gave him because he was married with children and he had to live vicariously through other people but then men had opinions how women should look and you know enter someone like Pamela Anderson and she's a beautiful woman but not everybody can look like her but all of a sudden this became a standard and I used to have this line and it's obnoxious but I would say men that look like Louis Anderson expect a woman to look like Pam Anderson and I personally felt that because I would go out with my friends and my friends are great you know they're beautiful inside and out but you know I was regulated to being like either the wing person or just kind of like you know someone to kill time with like no one really talked to me beyond hello how are you and if I try to hold a conversation like eyes would go adrift or some guy's eyes would look down like they were clearly not into talking to me beyond but if I talked about music or if I had an opinion all of a sudden like they would perk up or try to challenge me which is you know (laughs) I heard the title of your show for years since junior high but I mean like when I heard it when I went out and you know when I started working working in the industry I can actually back it up a little bit more I do think it's interesting how you said that once people knew that you had something more interesting to say that your weight stopped mattering because I feel like with Mama Cass like a lot of the things were saying how like she was hooking up with all these rock stars and stuff but she was overweight and she constantly was battling herself with feeling like she was sexy but like not feeling like she was sexy enough and like doing all these dangerous diets and other things but yeah so I think that it's interesting in regards to Mama cast and how a lot of people looking back on her life will talk about how like she just had this really strong energy and that people viewed her as like, a role model and like an inspiration because she seemed so okay with the way that she looked but yet inside there was this whole s- situation with her going on these dangerous diets having these things she fasted for seven months four days a week throughout 1968 and in that year she like shed over 100 pounds but she wound up in the hospital and she just like never recovered from it. and then a lot of scenarios with that it's like you have an even harder time losing weight again but on top of that in a similar scenario with Ray from Menudo Cass died from a heart attack like unexpectedly but because she was overweight and this was kind of like a running joke of like her weight the news sort of ran with the fact that like in the crime scene information or whatever was released to the public stated that there was like a happy in ham sandwich and so the story was was that like she died choking on a ham sandwich sandwich and like of course like overweight mama Cass is gonna die doing what she loved the most eating and it's like <laughs> like an autopsy literally revealed that like that that wasn't the case there wasn't even food in her stomach like she hadn't mm. eaten for hours that's like the saying like don't let the facts get in the way of a good story yeah her dying like choking on a sandwich you know lives up to that fat legacy of hers which is unfair 
but I mean, there was like a level of disrespect like within her bandmates and, you know, never mind the record company. But yeah, people cannot wrap their heads around like when other straight sized people find fat people attractive. It's like, well, there must be some moral deficiency happening. I mean, why would this person ever consider this fat person attractive and that's unfortunate and then you are fat because then you start thinking like that too I mean I went through years when people had any iota of interest in me I just thought well there's something wrong with them obviously I mean why would they like me this is what we've been conditioned to think like we've been conditioned to think that thinness is good and fatness is bad when that's not the case at all it's no indicator of health whatsoever which we know now but this is so intertwined in our society of fat is bad fat is bad we're just being fed this our whole lives and it's affecting Mm -hmm. us on so many levels it's important like as we have this conversation to look back at what is this history of fat acceptance because there's a lot of like body positivity stuff happening right now Mm -hmm. and like that's not where it started so looking back at 1969 is actually when things got going with the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance or Mm -hmm. NAFA and this was basically a group of people who in this year they held a fat in kind of like they had the sit-ins where a bunch of fat people went to Central Park and enjoyed themselves (laughs) which I love I also just love that this movement was started by like two husbands that were like let my fucking wife be fat and happy I fucking love them right. <laughs> like you go yeah yeah and that's not usual either it seems like they did a lot of educating the public and kind of like advocating to make weight a legally protected class however there were some women within that group Judy Free Spirit and Sarah Fisherman who were involved in the more radical activism of the women's rights movement and the LGBTQ movements and so they saw like there's more we can be doing and they like really wanted to take this to the next level and so in the 70s their goal became to upend the medical industry and call attention to its fat phobia and they were known as the fat underground and so they started looking through like medical journals and they were finding rampant fat phobia in medicine and Sarah going back to the mama cast story in 1974 at a Los Angeles Women's Day March they called out the medical community for essentially murdering mama Cass with fat phobia but they kind of lost momentum in the 80s and it disbanded and then in the 90s there were some laws around workplace discrimination but it kind of like petered out for the most part so I don't know if you remember anything specific about those movements I remember hearing about those movements like as I started researching it in the yeah. 90s because you know at the time I was working in publishing I pitched a story about plus size shopping in New York City because everyone from all over comes to New York City but not everyone's a size six so yeah. where do you go for clothing and my article eventually got published like it, I think my editor held on to it for about eight months and then one day it was a flurried research time like here we go, we're going to publish it, make sure all these stores are still open. Luckily, all of them were open. You know, there was like these weird lulls, I would call it because all of a sudden, you, know, you would hear about all these liberation movements, like in the early 90s. And then like, mid 90s, it started to peter out. And then just I didn't hear anything in the late 90s about it. It was just like being fat was like against the law. Don't even try to like attempt being somewhat overweight. Because even like after I published that article, like I heard good things about it. And I thought, oh, maybe this is time like people are really into it. And there was I think like one magazine out there covering plus size fashion. And it's like in the history books, it's like regaled in the same way sassy. is. It was a place for like people who felt like they didn't have a voice to be represented. And in a really beautiful way because it was like these you know beautiful designer clothes shot in the same way any fashion magazine would shoot it you know was it fat women in scarves and black clothing you know that was presented in this really lovely way but even that was no longer seen like after a while it was just like you know different body types were being celebrated and at that time late 90s it was like big boobs and narrow hips and not a lot of women fit into that yeah like you just you couldn't i do find it interesting because i mean like in the early 2000s too like when i was a kid like a kid and like a preteen the fashion was very much you had to be skinny to wear clothes there was nobody that i can even think of that even looked healthy really around that time and so it must be so frustrating as somebody who in the 90s wanted to work in journalism was trying to have a beat around something that you were passionate 
passionate about and to be doing research on something and realizing that for like 20 years prior to like you being old enough to work in journalism, there were all these movements for like fat liberation, all this stuff moving forward in like fat activism space. And then you're there and they're like, no, we hate fat people now and fat people have no rights. And that was sort of the case for like at least a decade probably a bit more than that. And so my question for you is as somebody who got so fed up that you made your own website to cover essentially just like fat people's stories, like in the music world, number one, like, how did you decide like, okay, like it's time for me to do this. But also on top of that, were there people backing you? Was this something that people were like, oh, she has something going on here. Like this is so smart. Or were people kind of just like, why, why is she doing this? Like how long did it take for people to realize you were doing something smart? Well, back in 2010, I was at uh, another company and I just decided and you know it happened to me you know to me personally I think you know when you spend most of your life trying to fit in for other people you get to a breaking point mm-hmm. and I got to a breaking point where I just thought you know what I don't know if I'm ever going to be as fat as I was I'm just kind of who I am right now and I'm just gonna have to accept it I mean and I started mm-hmm. reaching out to people about like what do you think about a plus size magazine and I knew there were a couple out there but you know I thought well, can it be done in a way that it's more pop culture um, because some of the magazines I you know I saw you know very fashion focused but I know in my heart of hearts I'm not a fashion focused person and spoke to other people in the industry and it was always in the back of my mind and about five years ago I thought about all the stories I heard throughout the years and you know I would you know see things online that weren't really being covered anywhere else and I thought well maybe I can you know make it like um, and launch a plus size website that covers plus size news like in a little more of an objective way it's like why didn't anyone address studies you know about the biggest loser finally someone in the new york times did an article about it and confirmed what we all knew is that the more you diet the more you're damaging your metabolism and they followed the winners of the biggest loser and of the winners only two kept the weight off and it's because they had weight loss surgery so it wasn't from you know working hard and watching and eat because that that's it right like that's all we needed to do was just work hard and eat less and work out and you know everyone who's ever been on a diet has done that and hasn't proven hasn't given those exact results and then you're pinned as a failure because you know you did it you lost weight but you couldn't maintain it because it's hard so i just felt like there was a need but you know i do think you know some things need to be called out like the plus size community was really upset when leah dunham launched a plus size clothing line because she went on for years talking about how she wasn't plus size yeah. you know she like <laughs> almost did like interviews like on par with like someone like amy schumer like i don't know if you remember when leah dunham had her newsletter yeah. And it was like an interview in there, almost like, you know, like interview style, like celebrities yeah. interviewing each other. And they were all talking about how they weren't plus size. It's, we've been hearing this for years. Stop it. You're insulting people who are legitimately identifying themselves as plus size or fat. And you're backing up like, no, 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 I want no part of this. Yeah, like this is the frustrating thing. And I think that it's really important that there are outlets out there that report about people who are genuinely like plus size or are just like, oh, yeah, like I'm just like a fat body. Like that's just who I am. Because I feel like in so many outlets, the way plus size and like overweight people are spoken about is just very derogatory. And I think also it's like that thing where the average US woman is over a size 16. And there's also just like this forgotten section of fashion, which is like essentially between like an eight and a 16, which would be classified as midsize. Because once you're over a size 16, which is like the average size of a US woman, that's when it starts to become like more plus size. And it's like when there is somebody like Amy Schumer, who is a midsize person, referring to them as plus size because our vision is skewed it makes somebody who is not skinny is just like a healthy person be horribly fat phobic and that makes somebody who is probably pretty likable completely unlikable because you're just like do you fucking hear yourself that like being fat is like the worst thing like being called plus size is like the worst thing that anybody could ever say to you it's so interesting because again like we've mentioned some men in this conversation men when they're larger they're not called plus size like they have retail stores that are like big and tall or like husky men or like words that you know describe somebody who's bigger but like right. they don't sound as negative like because I know plus size isn't supposed to be negative but it just others you yeah. right yeah and big and tall are not used as insults like big yeah. and tall didn't decimate you in the school playground but that did you know fat yeah. for a really long time or it still is in a way I think it's kind of out the door but you know, being used an insult, but so many people are reclaiming the word just as a description. 
you know, it's like, yeah. you, like, you can't think of anything else. So once I think people take that back, or, you know, don't give that word so much gravity, you know, yeah. or, you know, make it devastating, you know, maybe there can be a time that people can hear plus size and fat and not have like a cold streak go up your spine. What you're saying is actually really interesting. Because I mean, two things is that like, people will use the term fat to be like, oh, like, I feel fat when they just feel not good in themselves, which is not nice. Because then it's like, oh, like, if you actually have a fat friend, and you're like in a room with them, they're like looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, I feel fat today. It's like, oh, so like you feel like me all the time. What does that mean? But I think also in the discussion of like the difference between like the way men and women are spoken about. And I think also in that term of how you said like people are becoming more comfortable referring to themselves as fat. I think that that goes into another subsection of this whole body positivity movement being commodified by skinny Mm -hmm. people. And I know Jenna, you have some thoughts on that. Yeah. So I have some definitions from an article in MS Magazine by Sarah Simon called A Feminist History of Fat Liberation. And they define body positivity or hashtag BOPO that we see on social media as often thin, conventionally attractive white women. And there's an activist, Jess Baker, who calls this Lisa Frank BOPO, also known as a feel good, quote, stay hydrated, thank your body and do your sun salutation sort of thing. So by and large, this body positivity movement has lost the edge and radical politicization or that fat liberation possesses and so kind of like as a reaction to like body positivity being co-opted by conventionally attractive or like mid-sized straight-sized people fat liberation diverges from that in queer unrest and rebellion and its message differs from body positivity being more radical more political maintains fatness at the center of its narrative and goals and focuses on ways that fat people are mistreated by the system so this is where like fat liberation or like fat activism has kind of always existed and I I think we saw a lot of that with the fat underground movement in the 70s, but it kind of went away for a while. And so now that there's this body positivity movement and fat people are like, well, I don't see myself in this movement, their reaction to it, a fat liberation. And so I feel like this is why this conversation is coming to the forefront again. And it's hopefully here to stay. Well, you know, if fat liberation and body positivity existed in the 90s, if that momentum in the 70s kept going to the 90s, then you wouldn't have these disparaging comparisons. You know, like I said, I worked at a hip hop magazine and I remember one hip hop magazine wrote an article about Big Pun and they talked about how amazing his breath, like his flow was because he's a bigger man who gets winded doing everyday things, yet he can rhyme and, you know, he's not taking a break and like not using oxygen or anything like that. You know, whereas that same magazine called out Kelly Price, who stood on the Grammy stage performing with Whitney Houston and Faith Evans. And all they can do is make fun of her. They said that she, you know, she wore a leather blue outfit and they compared her to an M&M, like her body shape. That really existed. If that was truly happening, if that carried over, like those comparisons would go away. You know, if that was still happening, you know, record executives wouldn't feel comfortable commenting about a teenager's body like somebody you know who's going to be more presentable who's more attractive you know at the time like if body positivity was truly happening if people were really welcoming of people of all shapes and sizes you know it's all shapes and sizes there should be no catch and there was a catch for a really long time that you can only be a certain size to be a rock star you can only be a certain size to be a popular singer and i'm hoping down the line like it will be dismantled whereas i think there's glimmers of it with some artists but it's usually happening like with men but you know women artists are still being celebrated for their body changing well I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned how like with men the situation can be different because it's interesting because I feel like if the media likes the man then the narrative very much is sort of being like oh well he's unwell like he has these issues blah blah whereas if they don't like them like Axel Rose who has been very much somebody who can be seen as problematic or what have you like they're gonna bully them whereas like when it comes to women most of the time the language I feel like the writers of these articles would never say that the language is bullying but like it is in a sense it's very much the language of like oh look they've lost weight they're worth so much more now and I feel like the juxtaposition is quite interesting because in 2017 when Kanye West gained some weight because he was under a lot of stress I think at that point like it wasn't public that he'd been diagnosed bipolar but based off of the articles and what we know now it seems like he had just been recently diagnosed bipolar and in like the articles they're being kind of mean but also being like 
why are people being mean about this? Like there was this men's health article written by Elisa Herstick in 2017. And the article is acknowledging that Kanye West has gained weight. But the the whole thing is sort of, it's very informative. It's very much, oh, like fat shaming isn't okay. You shouldn't talk about people like this. Like this is all the things that he's going through. They got a psychologist on the line to talk about like why Kanye would have gained weight based off of like the stress he was under and like Kim being robbed in Paris and all these other things. And it's just like a really informative article. And I was just kind of shocked because when these things happen to women, when there's an unexpected weight gain, that never happens. But then there's like more articles where on sites like Hollywood Life or People where like Hollywood Life is reporting, it's not their words, but they're like reporting on the fact that like Wendy Williams was making fun of Kanye West saying how like he needs a breast reduction and how she on her show like was like picking apart a photo of him with her signature pointer from like the show and stuff and then in this people article they're talking about how Kanye had like an interview and he was talking about how he had undergone liposuction because he was basically it seems like based off of people like Wendy Williams because Wendy Williams had compared him to Rob Kardashian who was like very publicly had a weight gain people were horrible to Rob Kardashian and so Kanye says in this I got liposuction because I didn't want y'all to call me fat like y'all called Rob at the wedding and made him fly home before me and him got married. I didn't want y'all to call me fat. So I got liposuction, right? And they gave me opioids, right? I started taking two of them and then driving to work on the opioids. So like Kanye, because of the fear of being bullied and because there were some people bullying about him about weight gain, Kanye just started having a, an opioid addiction. He fell into drugs. And it's right. like, that's so messed up, especially when clearly there's a differentiation between like somebody at Men's Health who respects Kanye West, literally getting a psychologist on the line to have like an informative conversation about why Kanye would have gained weight and like why we shouldn't talk badly about it and then these people at these other magazines being like oh like we're gonna not poke fun at him but like give press to people who are anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I think also with Kanye, I think because at this point in his career, he had become such a figure in the media and... I think at this point also there was a lot of talk about him just saying crazy stuff, which probably had to do with his mental illnesses. And I think because of that, he became kind of this caricature that like people could make fun of because he was so far out there. But at the end of the day, like Sarah said, this men's health article is like really nice to him. (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. you, you never see women being talked about like that nice. No, not at all. No one is sympathetic to women in weight gain. And even with someone like Kanye, I think people put up with a lot of stuff from Kanye because of his music. You know, I feel like the genius label lets you get away with so much. And that includes being weird or just not being a nice person. I mean, there are people who have talent that are decent human beings. And there are people who, you know, get away with a lot of stuff because, you know, they're a genius. God forbid, you know, you say something to them and then we'll never hear from them ever again. I don't necessarily think that's true. But I think when you work in the music industry for a while, people who have talent get treated with kid gloves. So if someone with all this talent is, you know, saying something rude or wrong, you don't bother that person because they're really talented. But, you know, they also said some jerky things like they can be called to the carpet on that, too. Yeah. And I mean, we have like just a couple examples of just other men in music who have spoken about this and I mean like Ashton Irwin of Five Seconds of Summer even Tyson Ritter from All American Rejects have all struggled with their own weight and they've all had different things but I mean like Ashton Irwin has said that like he 
suffered from an eating disorder and has had all these issues and like felt like he needed to look a certain way because of what he was doing and had that battle. And now he sort of has gone over that and is like, I'm just going to look how I look and not allow like my body dysmorphia to own me. And I mean, Tyson Ritter was a fat kid. He grew up fat and not a lot of people know that. I was just like obsessed with all American no. rejects. Yeah. When you share that with me, I was shocked because I also pictured him like, like oh, he must have just been born thin. He just looks really Yeah, no, he was like a, he was like a chubby kid. I mean, he was never like super, super heavy. He was like right. in mid 200s, but like he is like a tall guy. But he said that like in high school, when he started the band, he just would like start walking and then start jogging and then start running. And then he like got fit in time for them to be successful. But I'm sure based off of things that other men in the spotlight have said that there is that sort of like nagging thing of like, if I don't look a certain way, am I going to be successful? And I just think it's interesting in the Sam Smith scenario of how they've in the past like they spoke to enemy in 2015 and this was before they came out as non-binary so they're referring to themselves as a man in this interview just so you guys are like okay with what is being said but they basically were saying then that i feel pressured to look a certain way for women the pressure in this industry is horrendous and it's got to stop but it's the same for guys even though they won't speak about it and i feel like that has just been proven in a lot of what we're saying is that like these men especially if the people writing about them don't like them or the people talking about them like on social media or whatever don't like them that they face a lot of backlash i would also just like to mention in that sam smith quote they also said that just because they've lost weight doesn't mean they're happy or content with their body and because of the media and because of what i feel like i should like it's always going to be a battle in my head so again we see this thing of thinness being equated to good but just because you've lost weight doesn't mean you actually feel good like you actually have to do a lot of mind body work of like accepting who you are and this is why we see a lot of people who do lose weight or who become very thin wanting to attain that goal of thinness that is put on a pedestal and then you realize that there's this disparity of like just because you achieve that goal doesn't mean that you're happy with yourself you can always want more and more and more and so i think this is where like lizzo and adele come into play they've always been like this is who i am and of course like with adele we have the conversation as of recently of her losing a lot of weight and people being like oh my god you finally lost the weight congratulations like you're now this beautiful woman that was like always hiding in there under the weight Come She's on. won Grammys. I congratulate her on her multiple Grammys, not about losing some weight. And the interesting thing about Adele is when she got her fame she was heavier and she in 2011 was on the cover of both vogue and cosmopolitan but when she was on the cover of vogue they just did a very close-up shot of her face as to not show her body and when she was on the cover of cosmopolitan they put her in like a cheetah print dress that like showed off her hourglass curves and there's articles even in the daily mail saying like oh like cosmopolitan you know they did better than you vogue because vogue didn't want to show off her body but at the same time you could argue that cosmopolitan was playing up her curves and somebody who does not have naturally like hourglass body might not be in the same scenario being on the cover yeah right. well also like adele has like skinny face privilege <laughs> where like if you have a photo of her like sort of from bust up because she does like hold her weight really well and all that stuff like you would never like if you only knew adele on zoom you would think adele at any size was a skinny woman whereas like in that daily mail article where they talk they mentioned because there was a whole like upheaval about how u.s based magazines had this issue where like if a plus size woman was on the cover it was always just their face and mm -hmm. so that was also when Precious had come out and so Gabourey's Sidibe had been on the cover and it was also like just a headshot and it's like would she have been given like a full body shot anywhere else probably not because people are like oh no like we can't advertise the way her body looks because it's not what people are going for and I think also in the adult situation like Adele's talent far surpassed like any other issues that people could have with her because of the way she looked so I think that websites like the Daily Mail or the Sun or these other places who would normally probably be quite mean to her because of how she looked were not because they were like well she's talented because I mean in 2012 she even I didn't even know the Sun was given access to interview people but in 2012 she was interviewed by the Sun and they like allowed her to like criticize other artists and she basically was saying like these artists will like flaunt their flesh to flog records and she was basically saying how like success shouldn't be dependent on what you look like and like she obviously has proved that and like more women since then have proven that 
that. But I think also because Adele also is just like a beautiful person, regardless of her size. I think that she was given a lot more leeway than other plus size artists have been given because I think that in the back of people's minds and a lot of these articles that we pulled for this were very much like sort of saying that like it felt like once Adele lost weight in 2020 that people were like we knew you could do it like you've always been beautiful like right. how, like we knew you'd find the like hot one in you because like you've been beautiful this whole time so it's like oh like if she wasn't this Eurocentric beauty standard like she fits all of those things like would people have been hoping for her to be skinny in the same way like I don't know I feel like there's so much to, <laughs> to unpack there and it's just frustrating because I feel like once she did lose weight it it wasn't about like her being talented or like her being in the recording studio or like her become like becoming more confident in herself or like doing things for herself because I mean the first time Adele lost weight she did it for tour she did it because she was drinking a lot and smoking a lot and she wanted to be healthier so that she could put on the show that she wanted to because she had already had to get a vocal cord surgery because she wasn't being healthy and so it's like she was just trying to take care of herself and her body just answered in that way of losing weight whereas somebody like Lizzo works out and takes care of her body eats healthy and she's not the type of person who can just like drop the pounds like it seems like Adele has the ability to do just based off of the proof that there has been you know if you follow Lizzo on social media like you see that she's you know she has training you know she was vegan and even her fans were upset that she was choosing these different paths and you know she had to address it but yeah it's it's interesting that Lizzo's fans want her to remain a certain way whereas Adele's fans were almost congratulatory about her weight loss and she had the Grammy she had every accolade she earned them like in her body like in her size and Mm -hmm. you know I don't know the motivation for her losing weight but she did it and you know it doesn't make her any less talented you know she is permitted to change her shape in a way and Unfortunately, Lizzo's not allowed to do that. Like, if I think if Lizzo were to lose weight, she would lose a lot of her fan base, you know, which is unfortunate because Lizzo has the talent, she has the range, but, you know, you change your diet for whatever reason and, you know, people are getting upset. She posts a workout session and her followers are upset, you know, it's like she's getting body shamed from so many angles. The poor woman can't win. You know, like, let her just be who she is. And that's body positivity. Like, this is a woman who's doing it because of herself. She wanted to make those changes. It wasn't a manager. It wasn't her husband. It wasn't her boyfriend. It wasn't, you know, her spouse. Anybody. Like, that's part of body positivity. It's part of the liberation. It's like, you're doing it for you, not anybody else. You know, it's not under the false pretense of, like, getting healthy from a doctor. That's another thing. Like, it's not because someone deemed you unhealthy. Like, you decided to do it on your own. So I think some differences between Adele and Lizzo is that Adele leads a very private life and Lizzo is a very public person. So we don't see her daily ups and downs. She doesn't share that with us. So when she comes out with a new body, people are like, good for her. I think also with Lizzo, there's a few like opinion pieces in this publication called Wear Your Voice. This writer, Sidneski, has this opinion piece called Unraveling the Fat Phobia Behind the Criticisms of Lizzo. And they're essentially pointing out that Lizzo is someone who doesn't fit into like conventional categories like she's fat and she's black and she's making pop music but she's also rapping but she's also in hip-hop but she also plays flute she's a lot of things that don't fit into boxes and so it makes it really easy for people to like criticize her for different things and so I think that's an important thing to consider when we talk about Lizzo because you said like she would lose a lot of fans if she lost weight and I don't know that she would lose fans but I think she would get a lot of backlash because we saw that when she did her juice cleanse and when she was posting about her juice cleanse she got a a lot of backlash but I think also in having this conversation it's important to preface with like what Lizzo has actually said because a lot of people think that she's a fat activist when she's not she's never said she's a fat activist they're just projecting that onto her because she's a fat person in the public so there's an interview with NBC News in 2019 in which Lizzo said I feel like my job to push the narrative about self-care further and not just give up because it's mainstream now I can't be like cool love yourself. Bye. I have to answer when people ask how, how do I love myself? And I've been able to start answering those questions for myself. How do I love myself on the days when I hate myself? How do I love myself in a world that doesn't love me? How do I love myself in the face of systemic racism and misogyny? How do I love myself amid fat phobia? How do I love myself still? So these are really important because like Lizzo is recognizing that like, 
she's part of this society where we have racism, misogyny, fat phobia, all of these things that are systemic things that we've all grown up with. And like I said, she's not contained by any boxes. So there's this bigger conversation and she just happens to be the example person in the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think we pinned a lot of things onto Lizzo, probably unfairly so. I remember going to a show at Radio City back in 2019, and it was probably the first time I saw people of all shapes and sizes there. You know, whether she wants to be or not, she's definitely like a leader in body positivity and that acceptance. But yeah, it seems, you know, when Lizzo makes changes, her fans take it a little more personally than maybe the average artist because maybe they recognize themselves in someone like Lizzo and, you know, listening to her accept herself and then, you know, makes like a little bit of a change. Like, I don't think the juice cleanse would make or break anybody. You know, for Lizzo, she had it on a public platform that she was trying it and, you know, people were upset that she was doing that. I don't think that was going to be her life. You know, I don't think she was going to be one of these people that like was going to be the person known for their juice cleanses. She's so much more than that. But just one part of that person's life and as fans, like we put so much, we're invested so much into it that there's like the slightest change and, you know, people feel comfortable calling her out on social media about that it's like there's so much else going on like that's where you're putting all your energy into calling Lizzo out for doing a a juice cleanse I mean like we do have the great juice cleanse debacle of 2020 that you and Jenna both have referred to and I mean it's interesting because also in the wear your voice site there was another article by Rashid Ajumi and they were talking about this and about basically how detoxes are meant to like cleanse you but it's not really like a real thing like (laughs) it's kind of a scam but people aren't necessarily doing juice cleanses as a diet they're doing them because like oh like I've been doing something where like I don't feel that well like I just went on vacation and I ate food I don't normally eat so like I'm gonna have a cleanse and like some people will do a juice cleanse some people will just like eat vegan for a week some people will just eat certain foods for a week it's all different things it's supposed to like help detox your body or whatever. What Rashid was saying in this article is that there's a lot of medical information about there about the different risks of detoxes and the difference between them and diets and how they're also saying how like for thin people like Lizzo's detox was like an apparent contradiction of the way how she promotes self-love because she said that we should love ourselves but she's apparently not allowed to partake in something that might alter her body which I thought was like a very good statement to make because I feel like that is a lot of the issue is that you have these two camps that love Lizzo where it's these thin people who are like oh yes she's my fat friend like like like, but that's what I feel like they view her as it's like oh definitely she's like she's like the idea ideal fat friend scenario of like she's just like confident in who she is like she's gonna make you feel better about yourself yeah Yeah. she's but she's she's also beautiful so like Mm -hmm. she doesn't make you uncomfortable because she's nice to look at even though she is overweight and she holds her weight pretty decently and like all these things that like thin people find acceptable in fatness she has she hits those check marks and then other fat people are like oh yes like lizzo the queen of fat acceptance the queen Mm -hmm. of all these things but lizzo has never come out as being like part of the fat acceptance movement most of what Lizzo does very much fits within the checkbox of like what body positivity is is which is just loving your body and being okay with who you are but like if you lose weight that's okay but if you don't it's also okay and like whatever the thing is like she's not going out there trying necessarily to be thin she's just trying to be healthy and if a side effect of being healthy means that she loses weight she's okay with that she'll be okay if she's not fat you know whereas I feel like there are people in that like fat acceptance movement who are fans of hers and like Rashid also pointed at this where they're just like oh you're not allowed to lose weight because then I don't have you anymore and it's like she should be allowed to do whatever she wants but also just because she went on one fucking juice cleanse doesn't mean that she's trying to lose 300 pounds because we all know number one she doesn't have 300 pounds to lose but also like a juice cleanse isn't going to do that for you like it's going to make you shit your brains out for five days (laughs) right I mean what Lizzo does you know is not a betrayal on anybody you know she's doing things for herself and I think fans are so invested in her especially because she lives her life in public when she announces a juice cleanse or her vegan lifestyle I mean people were trying that that fruit cereal that she was you know that she did but you know people were trying that on the basis of you know Lizzo doing it and she wasn't promoting weight loss weight gain like she was just trying it but you know she has such an influence on people 
that when she does something that seems to kind of go off whatever narrative people gave her for body positivity, you know, they're the same ones trying to call her out on it on social media and hasn't been working, you know, it's not working because she's doing what she wants to do, which is what body positivity should be. Like you're Mm -hmm. doing it for yourself and not for anyone else. Like if she wanted to lose weight, like she's within her right to lose weight if she wants to, but you know, it's on her terms and that's what it should be. Like if you want to stay the same size, that's your terms. You know, it's because you want to do it, not because anybody else is telling you. We've listened way too long to people who really didn't have, you know, our collective best interests at heart. It was always for something else. You know, lose weight. It was never, you know, to be a happier self. You made some really good points. And part of this conversation also is when being fat is like called out for being confident of like, oh, you're so brave. Like you're so brave for wearing a bikini, like with your fat body, like that's so (laughs) inspiring. And in a 2019 Glamour interview, she actually said, when people look at my body, like, oh my God, she's so brave. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm just me. I'm sexy. If you saw Anne Hathaway in a bikini on a billboard, you wouldn't call her brave. And then she goes on to say, I don't like it when people think it's hard for me to see myself as beautiful. I don't like it when people are shocked that I'm doing that. So even though, even though Lizzo falls into like the body positive category, she's doing a really great job at speaking on it. It's not fake. It's not this like facade. And her saying, people think it's hard for me to see myself as beautiful. It's like, love yourself no matter what shape you are no matter how you show up it's not again like you don't have to fit into these boxes to be beautiful she's challenging that and i think that's where she becomes such an object of awe from both sides of being like how dare she how dare she think she's beautiful with her fat body and then the side of people in the fat liberation movement or body positive movement also seeing that as you know a pro for their argument too so like i think overall what she's doing is like she's really good at speaking about this and i think there have been lots of really good like steps forward in like allowing people who don't look like Blake Lively to exist, you know? And I think especially in music, even more so because what you look like has even less to do with what you're doing. Whereas like I can understand sort of like maybe in like movies and TV, like needing to look a certain way. Whereas in music, you don't really need to fit in any sort of box. Well, you don't need to, but I mean, the industry tells you you do. Yeah, the industry tells you you have to, but like you don't need to. And I feel like that's becoming more of the case. Like in the past sort of decade, maybe five years of like people not having to fit so much within that box anymore because there are people who are just like, this is just who I am. And I mean, like for men, there have been overweight men showing up and singing and being successful for longer than that. And so I just feel like in (laughs) in conclusion... There's a lot that hasn't changed, like as we've stated, like in talking about those people from music past, people are still talked about in that same way. Like I'm sure if Howard Stern could get away with it, he would still have a scale at his radio show. But people aren't having it. Like people will not let that happen. Like they will come to your house with pitchforks and like. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like an end of an era. But, you know, on the, you know, when we were talking about movie stars, they have to look a certain way. I feel like in the last few years, like those straight size celebrities who are known for their looks as well as their talent, like they're also kind of pulling the curtain back and showing Mm -hmm. people like what it takes. Like Jennifer Lopez, she shows you like what she does. Like she's a very disciplined person. Yeah. And, you know, I think at one point she's been on the Today Show talking about her diet and what she did and you know, kind of challenging the people on today to follow her diet. And she said something like, you know, after this diet, like a piece of fruit's going to taste like ice cream. Well, no, don't feed into that either. Like that's never going to be a thing. That's never going to happen. You're never going to bite into a piece of fruit and be like, oh, I feel like this is ice cream. No, that doesn't. But I get the comparison. But you see that like with people when she performed with Shakira on the Super Bowl halftime. I mean, there were people upset that like, how dare she be in such great shape and wear next to nothing and Shakira doing, you know, her thing. And these are two women who treat their body like they work out like it's a job. Yeah. They know that there's a lot riding on, you know, their looks and they can be unapologetic on that. And, you know, you have to see that too. Like that's a lot of work. And, you know, if you want to do that, fine. And I think that with that being said, like social media is garbage in so many ways, but it's also amazing in a lot of ways in that these famous people are more accessible to us. And because of that, like we can see like them looking the way they look is a full-time job. So I feel like 
while they might not realize that they are doing something for like this body positivity movement, they're sort of helping women, like in a way, if you are willing to view it like this, it's like people who are overweight or plus size or however you feel comfortable referring to yourself. It's like, I can go look at JLo's Instagram story. I can go look at like whoever's Instagram story, like Brie Larson and you see her like working out like six hours a day doing all this stuff and it's like oh okay like this is what they have to do every day to look how they look I don't feel so bad to myself anymore because I work out an hour a day and I have a nine to five job and I also have like other stuff I have to do that's like basically I'm working like 70 hour weeks and I still work out an hour a day I can't feel bad to myself that I'm the size I am because I don't have like the money and the luxury to do what they do yeah yeah that's like a really great point I feel like that's a really great kind of conclusion to this is because it's important to remember that it's so easy to say like yeah of course celebrities are thin because it's part of their job basically but what you just said about it's a luxury it's a luxury to have the resources of having someone make food for you having a diet coach having a nutritionist having a trainer having the time to work out that many hours a day it's something that most of society does not have access to so like just that alone is kind of like a revelation for me of like we should not feel bad about our bodies no matter what size they are because we know that the people who do look this way dedicate half their lives to looking that way yeah and most people who don't work out you know it's time it's a time issue and when you're a celebrity you know you can create your time you can create your own schedule there are people who are going to build their lives around your schedule so you want to go to the gym 11 o'clock on a tuesday well you're going to do it you know people are going to open up their spots or people are going to come to your home and make sure you get that workout in and make sure you're eating right like there's a lot to it and in every industry like even in music it's like you know five months from now you have a tour so you have five Mm -hmm. months to like get into shape for that tour and so I feel like we've touched on a lot of good stuff today I don't feel like there's any conclusion to something like this because this is still like an ongoing battle of people being allowed to exist and not be hated on for it but I feel like we've touched on lots of good stories about growth in the media and growth Mm -hmm. in the world and so thank you so much Patricia for joining us today we really appreciate your insight Yeah, Patricia, thank you, especially for coming to us with this idea, because Mm -hmm. this is definitely like something that we've wanted to talk about for a while. But Mm -hmm. there's just like so much to like learn about these conversations that we really appreciate having someone like you, you've put in the work and like dedicated, you Mm -hmm. know, your career to having these conversations. So we really appreciate being able to have that with you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm a fan of the podcast. And you know, I followed you guys, I discovered you guys on TikTok. And I could totally relate to everything you mentioned, because we're all, you know, all in the same field. But yeah, and I just threw it out there. And, you know, that's how what how I've been kind of conducting my career. It's like, hey, what about this? And, you know, some people understand it, some people don't. But I'm glad that you guys understood it. And we're having this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. So if people want to follow up and learn more about your work or anything, where can they do that? Okay, well, you can find me at my website called reedstrutter.com. You can also find me on Instagram with that same handle as well as Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. We will have everything linked in the show notes if you guys want to check out more. I'm so glad that Patricia reached out to us because this was definitely a topic that you and I both wanted to talk about for a while but like weren't really sure like what route to follow so I feel like she came to us with like a good amount of information for us to go out into the world and bring you guys all the information we brought to you today yeah because like I've seen a lot especially on Instagram about body positivity versus fat liberation and I like wasn't totally understanding what the conversation was so this allowed me to properly sit down and like figure out these differences and now I feel like in doing so and like educating ourselves on like these topics we're able to like as we always say bring them into further conversations and speak on them in an educated way moving forward which is always a great thing yeah and i feel like also that realization that i had at the end was like a legitimate realization of like realizing that like oh shit like being able to know how much jlo is working out is like an honor (laughs) because because it does it makes me feel a lot better because i'm like wow the fact that i have started taking care of myself in the past like year and a half and like have lost weight and like feel healthier and I can't be mad at myself for not having lost more weight because I don't have the time to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think this whole conversation, even the prep leading up to it and everything conversations you and I had was like very Mm. therapizing, you guys. (laughs) 
Um, because it's like, it's true what we say. This conversation is relatively new and a lot of people are having the body positivity conversation, but there's so much more than that. There's the mental half of it, of yeah. like accepting yourself, not just wanting to be like, yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like body positivity can be so shallow, but like having this conversation has made me understand these things a lot better. Yeah. I mean, it's really nice to, in doing research on this, like realizing that there are other movements out there that are like more sort of people that look like me and are bigger than me, like accepting themselves and being confident in that because I'm so fucking sick and tired of like skinny girls on Instagram being like, look at my stretch marks. We all have stretch marks. And it's like, yeah, it's called fucking puberty. Like we all grew seven inches in the middle of the night at the age of 12. Like that's not, you're not special. And it's just frustrating because I mean, like on TikTok, there is a lot of like really great content, but there is also a lot of really triggering content of like skinny people being like bodies that look like this also look like this bodies that look like that also like like, please shut the fuck up but thank you guys for coming on this journey with us we hope you learned some things we hope you realized some things so if you want to continue this conversation you can do that on social media we're at name three songs on all platforms you can talk to us personally i'm at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million um thank you for joining us this week on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to lizzo um don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes come out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode you can visit namethroughsongs.com anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the u.s like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. And I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.